Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 43. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. And we've got a great guest all the way from lives in New York, but is currently in LA. She's living the the lifestyle. It is Melanie Curtis. Melanie's a coach, (laughs) an entrepreneur, author, speaker, and professional skydiver. Melanie's clients are like her, intense type A personalities, vibrant in their energy, fierce in their values, impeccable in their integrity, human and lovely in their emotions, and working to contribute positively to the world and willing to do whatever it takes. Melanie, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I am I am so looking forward to it. As, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I've been watching your videos and they're, you just look like you have fun <laughs> in most things you do. Um, oh yes, and, for sure. And I'm... I'm I want to know a bit about your, um, I wonder if you could take some time just to tell us your journey. It's taken you from, you know, entrepreneur, coach, professional skydiver uh, to support you to this point today. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's so funny how to bullet point your life story down or your work story. It's like, I was thinking about this ahead of this interview. I'm like, wow. Well, okay. So to first comment on what you said about having fun. I mean, I'll just start right off by saying, I say this a lot, but my two, I believe love and hilarity are the two most important things in life, like in that order. So love first, hilarity second. So that really does infuse pretty much everything that I do, whether it's professional skydiving, coaching, you know, my personal relationships, my sense of self, the way I experience the world. So that's a big theme for me for sure. And definitely comes through in my videos, but The bullet point life story, I mean, small town girl, upstate New York, went to Middlebury College, ended up living in New York City after, worked for an investment bank, made a lot of money, spent all that money on skydiving because that was my passion as a young person. I started when I was 18 and I just was in love, sort of nutso for skydiving, as does happen for some people who who participate in the sport of skydiving. So I kind of went crazy with it, got to a level of competitive success in the sport of skydiving where it was either, okay, I'm going to go the route of MBA and go that path. And I was even studying for the GMAT, you know, when I was still working at Credit Suisse in Los Angeles back in, gosh, 2002, I think that was, or I can't even remember, but it blurs together, doesn't it? Um, but then I sort of had an aha moment. I actually read the book, what color is your parachute? Because I was obsessed with skydiving. I was like, Oh, that's a job search book. I'll read that. And the question inside that book was, well, what would you do if money were no object? And I said to myself, well, duh, skydiving, but I don't want to live in a trailer on the drop zone. I don't want to make no money. I don't want to eat ramen noodles for my lifestyle. Like I'm accustomed to a certain mm. lifestyle now, and that's never something I wanted to do. Then I was able to open my mind to that. Oh, wait, there are professional skydivers, quote unquote, that don't live like that, that own homes, that have families, that have a different life experience. And once that idea came to me, I was able to create that essentially with the drop zone that I was jumping at in Southern California. So I ended up working there, did all their events marketing and basically got the best gig in the sport of skydiving by getting a paid salary to compete, 
coach my friends, learn, have fun, create cool events. Like basically it was just this uh, unbelievable experience. So from there, inside that really amazing, happy period in skydiving, I had this moment of foreshadowing where I was like, oh wow, okay, this is great. And if this is all that I do, I sort of recognize that I wouldn't be happy and fulfilled long-term. And that's when the life coaching and sort of uh, exploration of, well, what would I do if I weren't skydiving professionally? What would I do if I weren't doing this? And I love people. And I said, well, I, very long story short, I found life coaching and I thought it was a total scam. (laughs) I was like, either it's, this is either complete BS like life coaching? No. Mm. Or it's my calling. Mm. And I, and I said, I kind of laughed to myself because I'm like, well, if there's even a chance, it's a part of my calling, I better figure out if it's a real thing. Mm. (laughs) So I did. And then that part of my entrepreneurial journey opened up. So I did both at the same time, went to school while I was professionally skydiving. Then I became a skydiving free agent, sort of professional athlete of my own volition and started traveling the world coaching skydiving while building my life coaching business alongside that part of my skydiving career. Wow. Okay. Well, right. There's so much I want to talk to you about. Okay. So the first, the first part is, is it's an interesting one. The, the, um, the label life coach, isn't it? Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. And I I know even over here in the UK is it's either some people think you're absolutely kooky or, you know, or you, you, you hug crystals and that seems to be it. Or the other one is, is, as you say, it's, it's, um, it's all, um, hype and, and rubbish yeah. and it's, how do you, how do you battle out yourself? Yeah. You know, oh, good. Such a great question because battling it, it it's, it has sent, absolutely felt in a way like a battle mm. because I've had a very like visceral resistance to the term Mm. because I think the way at least most people have or received that term and I did is that there's this idea potentially that the person calling themselves a quote life coach thinks they have life figured out thinks they know everything thinks they're going to tell you what to do you know thinks they have all the answers for you and I would in no way ever want to be identified as Mm. that because that is in no way how I look at life in general. I mean, I don't have the answers for you. Mm. You're you, you know? So the the distinction is that I have the skill set, and I'm an expert in the kind of conversation that helps extract those answers that helps get people clarity that they don't have helps people see in the blind spots that they currently can't see in Mm. because they're too close to themselves. But I say all that with the additional thing is that how I've come to embrace the term life coach is that it's so not awesome Mm -hmm. that it, it provides a place for conversation and it provides a place for me to help someone turn and understand the term differently, at least the way I approach the term. And if they, you know, resonate with that, great. If they don't, great. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's a way to figure out and identify client, ideal clients for me versus people who are not necessarily my target person. Yeah. Okay. Cause it, it's, it's the fact you are a type A personality and then <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, and then it's, it's, it's obviously the, the, you know, the, and well, initially is, as everyone thought Tony Robbins was the life coach and that's what everyone's going to turn into, but then it yep. kind of like got dramatically watered down to think yes. that you only became a life coach if you did hypnotherapy and NLP. 
um, totally. and that sort of thing, you know. And it, I trained in that because that's what I thought the route was. And as you go down that road, you realize, no, that's not always actually how it's supposed to be. Great skills to have, but it's the branding of a life coach that can be such a challenge to people. Yeah, it's it's funny. People do ask me often who I work with, mm. which is normal, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm running a business. I'm a professional coach. Yeah. Well, who, who do you work with? What do you do? And it's obviously evolved over time. It's funny. I listened to this other podcast. It's really excellent. It's a good resource too. I've listened to yours as well, by the way. Lots. Thank it's you. excellent content. Um, it's called The Art of Charm. And the guy yeah. on there often talks about how like life coaches, it's just such a turnoff because of that watered down nature mm. and how a lot of coaches that are excellent at what they do have some other area of success that informs the way that they now serve as a coach yeah. or as a public speaker. Or, you know, motivational speaker, how do you motivate if you don't have a story or something yeah, to inform it? Totally. So that tends to work for my business. So it's not that I'd work with just skydivers. Yeah. It's not that I work with just entrepreneurs. Mm. And I've what I've realized over time is that who I really work best with, male or female, is the type A personality that comes upon a challenge in their life because we're high achievers. Mm. We make shit happen. Yeah. Like we're not, we have resources, we have tools, we have the ability to achieve. And so when those people, and I say those people and myself included in this, mm -hmm. realize emotionally that they're still unfulfilled, that they're in an emotional challenge that they really can't figure out, that's where I come in, mm. is that they're like, I don't want to some fluffy life coach language. I want someone who mm. it sounds normal, yeah. but also gets and has an authority and a, and a confidence in the area of personal growth yeah. without it being like, you know, a turnoff in the life coaching sense, yeah. quote unquote. Yeah. And how is, and how is skydiving or the, the sort of either the ethos of skydiving or skydiving itself helped you in your either with a bit with your entrepreneurship and and your coaching part of the business. Yeah, great question too. It's a well hugely about overcoming fear. Okay. And I can understand and breaking that. <laughs> you know, obviously, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, breaking through limiting thoughts, breaking through where we see things not as possible. Like when you jump out of an airplane, this is so funny. I always say this, but this is really what happened to me mentally and emotionally. And I didn't realize it for many years late until many years later about skydiving and how it impacted my, my view on the world and what I was capable of doing is that when you go and jump out of an airplane, you're not new, not good at it, or you haven't done it before. Mm. There's some part of you, most people I think that thinks they might die. Yeah. And so when you land and you live, mm. it's like, holy crap, your whole head blows off your neck. Yeah. Like it's nuts. Mm. And so it proves to you in that instance that, and anytime we overcome fear, anytime, it doesn't have to be jumping out of an airplane. Anytime we do something we think we cannot do, we prove to ourselves that everything else might be possible. Mm -hmm. And that is such a powerful frame to live life from. So that's a big, big way it's informed it. So working with limiting thoughts, mm -hmm. additionally, team dynamics and competitive and just uh, interactive stuff. I mean, being on a competitive skydiving team, it's really a lot about relationships mm -hmm. and conflict, uh, working through conflict and communication skills and 
peak performance and all that stuff that very, again, sounds very buzzwordy, but when Mm. looked at very specifically for a person and their circumstances makes a real difference. Right. Okay. It was an interesting, there was a a video, Will Smith, um, I think he was on stage with Oprah and he talks about that, you know, you're trying to be the bravado bit and then you jump out the plane and there's just peace. (laughs) It's just this crazy amount of peace. If you talk about presence, you that's a beauty. A lot of, I talked about this with a friend this weekend and it was that skydiving, you can't be anything but present. There is a meditative nature about it. When you get past the fear, when you know that you can manage your own gear, you know, you can land safely. You have those skills. It, it's this really cool experience of presence. And I think a lot of activities, physical activities do that for us. Hmm. And the other thing is, is um, we interviewed um, Stu McLaren um, oh, way back when. When was that again? It was, I think, it was episode twenty-one. And he talked about he does things that um, frightens him in order to mm-hmm. do exactly what you've said, in order to go past that to show you that yeah. anything's capable. You're you're capable of anything if you can if yeah. you can do that. Yeah, definitely. And how does, how does um, with all of that stuff that you're doing, what do you think is, in, in your experience, what has been the key, apart from jumping out of the airplane, is what has been the key strategy for you to help deal with those, um, overcoming those fears and limiting beliefs? For myself? Yeah. Yeah. Great question, too. God, you have all these great questions. You must have done this before, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> be prepared for this interview. What's going on here? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, okay. So that's such, it's so key, right? I say this all the time, all the time is that inspiration is nothing without the action to back it up. Nothing. Mm -hmm. So we can have an aha moment. We can go to a Tony Robbins weekend and come out of it like totally transformed in our mind. And then where most people falter is the implementation. And that's the thing about emotional growth and emotional skill sets. How the heck do we practice that? Right? Like that's a good question. So if we're talking about Again, I I so hesitate to use these fluffy words that might have a preconceived notion around them, but like affirmations, for for example, quote unquote, Mm. in a sense, what I mean by an affirmation is a different thought that we're trying to replace an old limiting thought with, or, you know, that type of stuff, like, or a a view of ourselves, Mm. if we have some insecurity around that, uh, whatever, Mm. some place where we're trying to instill confidence in ourselves, maybe we do some simple stuff of having it on our to-do list so we read it every day, Mm. implementing it into our mind with frequency, writing it on our mirror Mm. with dry erase marker, you know, like very, it it can be simple stuff like that. And this is just in the realm of affirmation. Mm. I'm just, I mean, there's lots of ways, Mm -hmm. but the idea is to create an actionable, accountable, black and white way to execute in, you know, practicing this stuff. Mm. And so with mental stuff, it's just like, how do we action, action that? Yeah. And so putting that and then holding people and our, like holding ourselves and having a form of accountability such that we follow through and then look at our results and choose newly from there, how to continue our actionable plan. Like that, that's where most people break down. They have the aha moment, but they don't implement. Yeah, and it's so true. So true. Because I know when when I was ill and uh, to the point where I was frightened to leave the house, 
is mm-hmm. part of my routine. Um, well, I call it mirror work. I I'm sure there's a more technical name, but it, mirror work was easy. Is I had a I had to talk to myself to the point where I was congruent in what I was saying and the posture I was holding to myself in the mirror mm-hmm. before yeah. I would leave that mirror every single morning. And I did it every single day. And at first, you know what? Crap results. But all of yep. a sudden, this is the more you do it, the more you can. Because what I love about looking at the reflection, you're looking at you. And it's one of the hardest things to do. Oh, it's yeah. Just, you know that You know that feeling when you're going, yeah, you're great. You know, kind of like thinking about <laughs> yeah. Hey, you look good this morning. Um, but, you know, so oh, that sort yeah. of thing. And, it, and it's, it's been one of my fundamental confidence boosters in in my own life and how I do it how, how I sort of got out and started to do things and it's that's awesome it's mixing an affirmation with something with a little bit more punch but it's yeah. it's finding the right words and then finding a way that what is it that's going to shift you because you're so right so many people spend a fortune just going for I don't know a verbal pick-me-up really mm-hmm. um they're mm-hmm. not doing anything to implement that change yeah. It's crazy. Exactly. Well, and that's that's the thing. Like if we talk about my business, like that's why that's my business. Mm, you know, it's like sometimes we need a teammate. Yep. Sometimes we want a teammate. Yep. You know, sometimes that having a pro on our team makes all the difference. Yeah. Cause like that alone can instill confidence to help us over that initial hurdle of, of actually trying this stuff yeah. of, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. yeah, actually admitting to someone. And it's funny. You mentioned the mirror thing. I, get, I was talking to someone else about this the other day. Honestly, I'm not watching before. you. There's no drone. Yeah, I know. Where have you been? <laughs> I, I did something similar myself and we were chatting about it. And I was saying how at first it feels so awkward yeah. and weird and stupid. God, you feel stupid. Yeah, yep. But it's like even pushing through those feelings and saying, I'm committed to trying this. Yeah. I'm committed to taking this action and seeing what occurs. And that's the thing too, is that it's not about the result is that that talking in the mirror thing might not work no. for me, Absolutely. but I'm willing to try it. And that's what I feel good about. Yeah. You know, attaching our, our happiness and our sense of, uh, of, I don't know, success mm. and just peace to our effort versus the outcome. Yeah. That's another whole big conversation, yeah, but yeah. It is. And and I suppose the other thing that really intrigues me is, is with all of this, how do you, because as you've got the challenges of everything that's going on, you've got, you're, you're battling, you know, you're dealing with limitations and, and, and overcoming fear and everything. And at the same time is, is you have this, this mo- this business to run and you're traveling all over the place how do you manage to, to to do that how do you i don't know i mean we mentioned this at the beginning before we started recording whether it's called freedompreneur or suitcase lifestyle or mobilepreneur or <laughs> whatever it is but it's one thing that i love that philosophy and it, it's that philosophy you can run your business anywhere in the world um yeah how do how do you how do you find that how do you experience that yeah, I mean, the, people in skydiving, we have a joke. We call it, quote, live in the dream. Mm. Like, we hear that. I mean, it's not just in skydiving. It's lots of people say that, mm. live in the dream. Yeah. And I, to, when they're talking about the traveling sort of free, location-independent, mobile entrepreneur, freedom entrepreneur, whatever yeah. you want to call it, the work-from-anywhere lifestyle, yeah. That, oh, you must be just living the dream. Like, how amazing that is. And it is amazing. Yeah. 
make no mistake. I am, there is no, but after that statement, it is amazing. It's wonderful. I am so grateful that I decided, cause this is the thing, this, the decision to make my business a mobile one was eight years ago. Mm. I said, I want my business to be centered around this lifestyle choice that I have for myself of wanting to be anywhere that I want to be able to go home and have a piece of birthday cake with my mom on her birthday and then do a client call from the basement. Yeah. You know, like I've done that. That's important to me. Cause I was like, what do I really care about? Mm-hmm. You know? And so from that, from the positive, like what you get, the value perspective out of a uh, location independent mobile business, it's huge. Like for me, I'm so thankful, mm-hmm. so thankful. And I also can say in this next breath that it is a rigorous lifestyle to travel all the time. Mm. So it's, it's funny that I, I'm actually, I actually consider myself for the most part retired from professional skydiving. I do work here and there, but it's in no way my, my main source of income anymore. Mm. Like I do some virtual coaching, but I had, I had made a new decision for my life and my business that I wanted to now travel less, mm. not because it's not excellent and not because I want to give up my freedom. Cause I'm not giving that up. My business is still mobile. Mm. It's more that I'm like, okay, you know what? I've done this for a long time. I've had this experience. I've enjoyed it. And now I kind of want to be more settled, have more roots and be less mobile and have that life experience. You know what I'm saying? So it, it is rigorous. It's not for the faint of heart. No. So if people are like, Oh, I want to do it. It's so blissful. It is. And be ready to work. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, it's like everything. It sounds great until you do it. (laughs) Right. You know, it it is. I mean, I know when I first started off my, I wanted to be an international, you know, work internationally and, Mm-hmm. It is, you know, I spent every single week, four days a week for six months um, going from the UK to Norway, the UK to Norway, the UK to Norway. And it was, and then to the US and it was just, it was great at the beginning. But yeah. then all of a sudden is, is maybe because I've got a family and it was, and I'm, I'm not at home. I want to see my kids. I want to be with my wife. That's just, yeah. it's just not working out. But it's looking at it and going, I don't, it's not necessarily when you say, at least in my head, it's not about always being mobile. It's just about having the ability to. Yes. And having that philosophy. So if all of a sudden it is, come on, let's go. And I've got some work to do. And -and so-and-so we're going to take, well, the kids can't come. Sorry, you're at school. But let's, you know, let's go is, I think it's that philosophy. And and keeping the business lean, you know, it's not having too Mm -hmm. many things that limit you to being in one station. Yeah, exactly. People, I, it's so funny. I never, people ask me occasionally, not all the time, but occasionally about working with me in person. Mm. And I just don't, I still don't really want to do that unless it's like a speaking engagement where of course I'm going to speak in front of people. Of course I want to be present. I'm going to be present for that physically, but in terms of one-on-one client work, I'm still pretty committed to not letting people pay me Mm to meet them in person, like not offering that unless it's a special circumstance. It's not that I never, ever would do that. It's that for the most part, I still want the mobility. I want the freedom. This model does work for me still, even in the conscious changes I'm making in my own lifestyle Mm. and my, what I have for personal goals and stuff like that. It's, it's still useful. It's still like, and I think it comes back to like, it's all possible 
And it comes back to what are your personal core values? What matters to you? Yeah. Like I, I really know that having this sense of freedom works for me. It supports me to feel not trapped, to feel, you know, just it, it, that, that lightness, that a sense of freedom mm. and choice gives to me as a person and how it allows me to show up. Like you said, you were watching my YouTube videos and stuff like that allows me to show up in conversations, allows me to show up on a YouTube video, allows me to come up with ideas for my funny movies. Like without that lightness on my spirit and on my energy, Mm. it's, I'm way less creative. I'm way less vibrant. And that vibrancy and radiance that that's a huge part of how I connect with other people and how I do my very best work coaching with people, whether it's skydiving or life coaching. And so that also is a part of how do I do my best work? It not only serves me, it's like the a really big part of a win-win there for me, if that makes sense. Hi, it's Jeff here. So if you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are are wanting to create and live an exceptional life, then why not jump over to our Facebook page? You can go to www.successinstigators.com or you can search for Success IQ and it will show up there. I look forward to seeing you there and joining in the community. Take care. Have an amazing day. Okay, so welcome back. Now, this gives me an opportunity to ask... Melanie, a set of questions that I ask every single guest on the show, and it gives me an opportunity to put her on the hot seat, so to speak. (laughs) So let's get started. So question number one is, how much time a week do you spend on self-development? Oh, my gosh. It's funny. I was listening to your podcast, and I was trying to think of that. I I tend to fall into the all the time category. Obviously not. Like Sometimes I'm working and just enjoying life. Um, but I read a lot. I'm voracious for continuing education okay. for my work. Okay. And since my work is in the area of personal growth, like I really believe yeah. that I cannot serve other people best unless I am putting my money where my mouth is all the time. You know, like I have to be in those hard conversations in my own relationships. Yeah. I have to be working with my own feelings and my own sense of self and emotional stability and all that stuff. If I'm not doing that, then I'm not ever going to be able to lead the best that I can. So it's a lot of hours, put it that way. And I I think that's (laughs) it. And I've said it on loads of episodes. It's not necessarily about the time. It's to pay attention how much, um, how much dedication these people who I interview have on their own development, whether it's, you know, skill sets in learning their craft or whether it's skill sets in being better in health it's all of those yeah. things. It's that constant development that helps. It's not, you know, that's not to say you don't go out for a nice drink and you don't go out and you have sure. snack food and everything, but you don't spend 75% of your time sitting with Correct. a bag of chips. God, and sound American. Crisps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, sitting there and watching, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. It, it's, that's not going to change your circumstance. Correct. Okay, question number two is, what is your favorite personal development book and why? My favorite personal development book and why? Uh, it's really hard to choose one, okay. truthfully. I, I, I have to call out my one of my most favorite, Eat, Pray, Eat, Pray, Love. Okay. I mean, Elizabeth Gilbert, I just, 
Brene Brown and Elizabeth Gilbert are two people that I respect to like the highest degree in terms of their work because Brene is like the researcher, more sort of not fluffy, not emotional, but totally gets into the emotional stuff, super authority and totally light and and funny in the way that she delivers. I love her. Mm -hmm. And so Eat, Pray, Love, Elizabeth Gilbert, why I respect her and love her so much and her book moved me back when I very first read it okay. in, I mean, I swear I had like an enlightened ecstatic moment when I finished reading that book, it really moved me. Yeah. But the way that she expresses and tells her story so vulnerably for the benefit of others, mm-hmm. like that, that concept really is a part of if, because I, I'm most vulnerable in my sharing where I, when I write, okay. so I write a column for a magazine, I've written a column for a magazine for a skydiving magazine for eight years and I write a blog and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm much more vulnerable there than I am in my YouTube videos, for example. Those are more educational, funnier. So that writing approach and communication approach, I just really respect because it's moved me and helped me so much. Okay, brilliant. Excellent. Okay, so question number three is what is your favorite app? My favorite app? (laughs) Okay, I have to The altitude one, probably. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's... uh, it's the photo editing app. Okay. I have a Photoshop Express app. It's so funny. Like I joke, but awesomeizing pictures is one of my favorite things to do. It's like, so it decompresses me. Yeah. It gives me like this. I get to make these beautiful pictures for my friends and my loved ones. And it's just like a way for me to sort of uh, come down off of maybe thinking too much or whatever. It's just, I like doing it. Cool. So, yeah. Excellent. And why not? And why not? Yeah, we have to have exactly. little devices, don't we? Exactly. Okay. So, question number four is: What's your biggest business mistake, and what did it teach you? Oh my gosh! Yeah, again, been trying to think about this one. I haven't had any major, major mushroom clouds in the business side of my life. Okay. I've had. Uh, not to say that I ha- don't have an answer for you. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, You'd be the first, Melody. You'd be the first. <laughs> I, it's not that I haven't, I haven't had any major like, oh, blow up and mushroom cloud, whatever instances in business. But I would say it's, it's trying to do it all myself. Like I most definitely historically in my business, and I'm still working on this, Mm -hmm. am the bottleneck. Okay. So it's not always about like control. It's certainly is in some regards, like controlling the way that my voice is and how I'm out there, my image. And because I care Mm. about that, not that it's fake. I care that it's projecting the values that I believe in. So I'm pretty fierce about that. But in terms of building the business, the back end stuff that I'm not good at, like I finally hired someone to redo my website. This is back a while ago, but like to redo the back end website, to have a person that that deals with my e-store and you know, to have a personal assistant which I didn't have for a long time. You know, like just simple things like that took me a while to do. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And so I'm still sort of looking for opportunities for myself to grow in business. And as a business person and just a person in general to allow partnership and, and help for the, the benefit of what we're trying to do. Okay. Yep. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, question number five is what are your challenges in balancing life and work and how do you manage them? 
what are my challenges in balancing life and work and how do I manage them? What is the answer to that? Hmm. We're still, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I think that's yeah. just the answer, isn't it? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's that I'm not thinking about yeah. it. You, you are so wise. Say... We're going to start calling you Yoda. <laughs> I think it's um, historically I have not ever been balanced. Okay. Like my skydiving, I've been very intense in general okay. about my pursuits. Like I get really into what I'm into Mm. and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I don't think it's necessarily the way it should be or must be done either. Mm. Um, I, what I can say though, is that skydiving is a great example is that I, because I was so intense, I also had this major experience of burnout, Mm -hmm. you know? So I've I've learned from that in the sense that the intensity with which I focused on skydiving and maybe was unconscious in for a long time, I care now. It's a conscious, deliberate choosing out of intensity, if that makes sense. Like I'm so prone to being like, I would work on my life coaching business all the time. I would just work all the time because I love it. And I feel like I'm making a difference. I'm helping people. I'm fulfilled. I love my work, really love it. And so I would say it's consciously choosing like, okay, I'm going to put my phone away and spend time with my boyfriend and be present with him. I'm going to say yes to a vacation and deliberately not look at Facebook that much or not Mm. respond to emails every, you know, hour, but rather just once a day or whatever, or not for three days, you know, just yeah. depend, but those conscious choices, that's what I would say. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. It, it is that chance. You know, a lot of the times when you're speaking to people in here, it's the, it's when you love what you do. It's very, you've got to be more mindful because it's, you can quickly yes. lose track of time. Um, and yes. you can quickly lose track of how much attention it's getting when, you know, you, either you've got, you know, your partner or your loved ones or your kids or whatever it is. It's, it's being, it's being aware that, okay, I need to, I need to set stringent guide rules and go, and rules that you go rules that you go go okay I've got to I've got to stick to that. Yeah, and it's just to recognize that the choices we make now really do impact they they expand and magnify long term. Mm. So if I neglect my loved ones yep. because I'm doing something purposeful in the moment and I justify that nonstop all the time because yep. this is a good thing yeah, yeah. what we do. Yep. We do good work and it's, it's not the cocky thing to say. No. It's just that I believe it's good work. I'm, I'm happy to do it. I, I see it making a positive difference for myself and others. Yeah. But if we, if we, again, it's, it goes back to the idea, this concept of balance and it's, it's weird because balance too in life, I really feel like it can come in long-term periods. Yeah. So it's not that we need to be daily, uh, balanced. No. M- maybe the balance is yearly, yeah. you, know, you know, back in skydiving, okay. I used to be really big skydiving season. And in the winter we would be less, you know, less. So mm. the balance was sort of annual. Yeah. Now it's more weekly for me, okay. you know, stuff like that. Okay. But anyway, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's I digress. Perfect. <laughs> no, it's perfect. Question number six is what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? Uh, oh, goodness. Uh, it's easier to jump out of plates probably. Oh my gosh, it really is. <laughs> Holy smoke. 
you know, I think the advice that I would give is I think I see, I, I feel like I see this a lot, even with clients who maybe are considering entrepreneurial pursuits of their own yeah. and they start to go into it and they're excited about the possibility of the freedom. Yeah is that then once they're motivated into the doing of the new entrepreneurial pursuit, when we, when we say, yes, okay, I'm doing it, and then we start down the path, there's this moment, I think, where almost every entrepreneur that I've experienced, and I definitely experienced this, gets totally overwhelmed because there's so much we can do yeah. all the time. Yeah. We could do 8,000 things every single day that would benefit our business and be good for our business and what we want for our lives. Yeah. So it's that remembering that it's, it's okay to focus on this thing and to remember that it, it builds over time, yeah. period. Like we don't have to do all 8,000 8, things now just because it's available. Yeah, yeah. And just because the, um, I suppose as well as it's also to be aware that just because the book that you're reading and that expert at that time says, here's another 2000 things you don't have to do, <laughs> you know, you don't have to add them to that list and do them straight away either. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah, it's true. I actually said I, I, for a while I was like, oh man, I should start a podcast. I'm so into the conversational thing. Mm -hmm. I love talking to people, but I, so I went sort of down that road but I realized then for myself that, you know what, video is more my jam. Yeah. Like I like seeing people. I think the, like I like doing obviously the funny movies. Those yeah, yeah. really are fun for me. And I think serve the brand in general and just yeah. add value in general. So they're funny and fun to watch. Yeah. But like, I just made that choice yeah. for myself. I was like, I don't need to do a podcast. No. I can, yeah. but I'm going to do this instead because it's more fitting for me. Yeah. And it's and it's it's knowing when you get to when you get to that. There's nothing about dabbling with stuff later on, but it's. Yep. I mean, I think this is my third attempt to at podcasting. Um, really? Yeah, my first my first two. One of them lasted two episodes. I wasn't <laughs> quite sure what I was doing, and the other one I think lasted about six or seven. And it's the evolution, you know. It's you you go through yes. it and you go. I love I love the conversation. I struggle with the writing side of it, so therefore. Mm -hmm this is kind of like my blog in some way. Um, yeah. And then the next, the next chapter is to change it and, and add video to it as well. But you know, it's, it's that evolution. You go get confident with one thing first before mm -hmm. you bounce. And I think quite often what, as you know, as you talked about before is we tried to do all of them. So some will try and do yeah. a blog, a video, a podcast live, social media all over the time and then <laughs> jump on Instagram and Pinterest and and you know you've just got to put the damn foot on the brake and go okay yes. that's just because it, it, yes. it takes too much time and, and the problem is then you become a you know you do everything and a master of none and there's Correct. no benefit exactly I, I give you massive credit for for putting yourself out there. There's a quote that I love I can't remember who said it but it's something about if you're not embarrassed by your first launch you waited too long oh god yeah yeah right yeah. you know so like i totally there's that there's that balance yeah. of like of deciding and then waiting and prepping yeah. versus going for it and learning and experience yeah, yeah and they will be there forever on the web yeah yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. oh my god yeah. I, oh I was looking god. at some of my earlier videos the other day and it's like holy crap what the hell was so i thinking about <laughs> so embarrassing <laughs> Okay. Oh, I love it. So question number uh, seven is, what is your definition of success? 
Oh, my definition definition of success. Oh, it's it's all it's all surrounded by your my people. Okay. You know, like if you have healthy, loving, connected, functioning, happy, you know, working relationships, which sounds very technical, but like yeah. you know, when you can have peace and you feel and you know that people that you are loved and that you love and that people are there for you and you're there for other people, like the family, having family, not just blood family, definitely blood family, but also chosen family. That is just, I feel like, I mean, not again, it's not that just that is a definition of success. Like if I just said, Oh, I'm not going to do any of my work. I don't think that would serve me fully either given I'm called to do the work that that I do. Um, I just really, really, really come back to that, like those, the relationships and the bonds and the things that we do for others and the connections that we make in an authentic and Mm. deep and caring way in good times and in bad, those are key. Priceless. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So question number seven is, no, eight is the life lesson question. So you get a pick a number between one and 50 and whatever it lands on, we will discuss it. (laughs) <laughs> definitely number 11 number 11 number. is the art of listening which is okay. very which is very useful for a coach um <laughs> yeah. so so really what this initially came to me about was it was the um it was not only listening and actively listening so rather putting my my attention to the side and 100 percent focusing on what that person was doing which was one of the great things with becoming a coach and a hypnotherapist and all of that because I had to listen it was like a really great skill set but there's physically listening to what that conversation is saying but there's also the importance of listening to yourself and your body what it's trying mm-hmm. to tell you um because so often you know you've talked about being close to burnout um and going through those sort of things is I've talked about hitting the brick wall on uh, many a times on the show, but also when I when I speak and stuff, and it's that just that importance of stopping for a second and just really concentrating on listening to the conversation. And I wondered what you thought. Yeah. Oh man, I I completely agree. It's certainly I would say both directions. The whole listening to yourself is huge. Mm. You know, is really reading the cues of like how what does this physical feeling mean Mm. why is my chest tight right now why is my throat constricting or or my head the top of my head hurting for some reason Mm. you know I mean that sounds kind of weird but I feel like those those physical cues are the first point where we can start to awaken new consciousness of our own uh, fears and and worries and limiting thoughts that's a huge part of it the the interactive part of it it's, it's interesting. It reminds me of a a short, a short story. Like in my coach life coaching training, I went through a sort of three module program. It was a year long thing where you did a lot of stuff and, uh, you know, on your own, but you went to these modules anyway, the second module I was working, we were working on starting to work on coaching conversations. And there was this woman there and it was, like this learning about, and it was my first real experience of, of asking into my intuition, Mm. like trusting that, like, yes, definitely being over there with the person, but really asking about what you, 
think is behind the words. Mm. And so I, I did that. I wasn't skilled yet at the time in this conversational, obviously skill set. So I asked a pretty direct question to this woman and she got really mad. Mm. And I remember that vividly because I clearly, but I clearly spoke to a deeper pain point. And so that taught me, even though it was not a pleasant, it wasn't a pleasant experience at the time. It was, and obviously I didn't mean to and would never want to hurt hurt this person or make her upset. Um, but it was so valuable in terms of of going, oh wow, I actually have this intuitive part of me that can see where others maybe have pain points and things that they're not saying directly. And I can learn how to ask deeper, more deeply for them. And that was a really cool start of my intuitive listening mm. skill set. Yeah. And I think, and I think that's, that, that's a level of what makes a great coach because unfortunately yeah. there are people out there um, that, you know, call themselves consultant stroke coaching stroke mentors that um, yeah. already have their solution in their head. Right. When they're doing it and they're not, you can see, and you can see them do it is that they're, they're mm-hmm. already ready to pounce and go, okay, it's this, or that's yeah. what it is. And I think it's sometimes yeah. you've got to stop and just, because that's one of the amazing skills is the, the the difference between a good, for me anyway, the difference between a good coach and a bad coach is that willingness to listen to intuition and, and, sure. and dare to ask those questions. Because, you know, at the end, yeah. at the end of the day, that's what they're coming to see you for. They come to it takes to courage. Them. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Yeah, yeah it, does. it takes courage. It's funny to round it back to the overcoming fear mm. is like, really, if, if you want to grow in this sort of communication skill set of your own, like if people are listening and they're like, well, how do you do that? You know, you kind of you kind of tap courage yeah. and you and you start to softly in yourself engage in asking about things that feel scary to you to ask about or talk about yeah. or share. And and like you say, it comes to that listening. It's having the courage to listen to that internal voice and going, well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that that part and, and just let's and let's see what's good. <laughs> and sometimes yes, you do fall flat on your ass. Um yes. but you know but <laughs> oh, yeah. the thing is is if there's you know the quite often there's that it's you know I always see it, it's almost like sometimes it's a magic switch. Because all of a sudden you just see that you see the change in their eye straight away yeah. when when all of a sudden you've tapped the right thing, and that to me is magical, you know. And you just yeah. see that that you can see the shift in front of you. You can see them trans- starting to transform in front of you, and I just think that's an absolutely an amazing experience. And very and absolutely. you know very few people in in careers get an opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know. I feel. I feel. It's such a gift. Yeah. To be a to be allowed into people's lives mm. and selves yeah. to the level at which I am allowed, yeah. it is it is an honor yeah. and one that I have am fiercely protective of yeah. and fiercely uh, just honoring of. Yeah. You know, like I, I just the idea of like caring about trust and being a space for someone and, and checking my stuff at the door Mm -hmm. and showing up without agenda. Like that's all very practiced over time, you know, detached involvement, not jumping into the box with them and commiserating. It's not about that. It's a different style of, of, of conversation and, and care. 
That, brilliant. Um, Melanie, I could, and I say this to most of my guests, but that's because it's true. Um, I could speak to you for ages, but um, we have come to the end of the show. So um, the floor is yours to tell um, our listeners how they can find out more about you um, and if there's anything that you want to mention as well. Oh, thank God. I, it's so awesome. I'm so grateful. Thank you for having You're me, welcome. as like I said before. Um, people can reach me at MelanieCurtis.com. Um, Facebook is my primary uh, audience and conversation, um, although I have an email list as well. I just published my first book, which is cool. That's called One Positive Thought Can Change Everything. It's a quote book and interactive sort of exercise to get us engaging our own thoughts and, and infusing our brains with new ideas that maybe will serve us forward in the ways that we want to break through. So that's pretty awesome. I'm excited about that. Um, All that's on my website. And anybody who wants to email me directly, I really like to be available directly to people. I don't ever want people to feel like they can't just reach out and say something to me directly if they want. And my email address is mel at melaniecurtis.com. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, Just out before before we end, what was it like to get to finish that book and to get it published? Oh my gosh. Crazy. There's a video I made about that too, because I just like, I need to tell people this. I need to own that. It took me a long time to get out of my own way on this one. And it did. It really did. And it's, it's so it's amazing. And it's funny because now I'm like, Oh, I know how to do it. So my, I'm planning on putting all of my columns from blue skies magazine, which is like eight years of my life story and skydiving wisdom and all that stuff into my next book, which will be much hardier, but it was a really great stepping stone. It was wonderful. Easier to jump 10,000 times out of an airplane than write a book. Yes, (laughs) always. Emotional stuff is so much harder than the physical stuff. A hundred times harder. And that's why I'm like so thankful I get to help people in that way. Well, Melanie, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much and wishing you the greatest success. Thank you so much, Jeff. So first of all, just let me say a huge thank you for tuning in or subscribing to the show. I'm very grateful for that. If you have any suggestions of topics that you would like to to suggest that we have on the show, or perhaps you want to give me feedback of, uh, of what you think about the show, then you can send any emails to podcast at jeffnicholson.co.uk. I love hearing from you and your feedback really does help me make the show better. So if you want to find out more about me or how I can assist you to live the exceptional life, then you can visit www.jeffnicholson.co.uk or you can follow me on Twitter, look for GN Coach, or on all other social media sites, I am Jeff Nicholson UK. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you've also enjoyed the show, can I invite you to pop over to iTunes and give us a rate and review as it really does help make the podcast more visible to increase its audience. I look forward to speaking to you next week and I want to take this time to wish you the greatest success. Take care.